the European Heart Journal case reports. My name is Dr. Saad Fayaz and I'm one of the podcast editors. Today's report for discussion is by Drs. Kandari, Khoury, Burr and Miles from the St. George's University Hospital in London. A 50-year-old Caucasian male collapsed with an out-of-hospital ventricular tachycardia arrest whilst playing football and was successfully resuscitated. He had no past medical history of note and no family history of cardiac disease or sudden cardiac death. He was noted to be physically active, playing regular five-a-side football and cycling 60 to 100 miles per week. He mentioned having experienced three brief episodes of exertional presyncope whilst playing sports in the months leading up to this presentation. Over the course of hospital admission, he underwent coronary angiography, which identified normal coronary arteries, an echocardiogram showing mild left ventricular impairment with no other findings, cardiac magnetic resonance imaging, which demonstrated a mildly dilated and moderately impaired left ventricle with an estimated ejection fraction of 41%, with epicardial late gadolinium enhancement of the lateral wall and subendocardial enhancement of the septum. The right ventricle was normal in size and function, with no regional wall motion abnormalities. An FDG PET CT scan did not identify any areas of active myocardial inflammation. A cardiac defibrillator was implanted for secondary prevention with a working diagnosis of arrhythmogenic cardiomyopathy. The post-implant 12-lead electrocardiogram identified an atrially paced rhythm with normal conduction indices and low-voltage limb-lead complexes with QRS fragmentation and inferolateral T-wave flattening. Signal-averaged ECG was negative for late potentials. He was discharged on bisoprolol 5mg and with advice to restrict his exercise intensity and underwent genetic evaluation and screening of the first-degree relatives. He had been asymptomatic till a 26-month follow-up when device interrogation demonstrated three runs of non-sustained ventricular tachycardia and one shock for sustained fast ventricular tachycardia. The genetic testing for pathogenic Lamin A variants and a panel of 77 genes for cardiomyopathy and arrhythmia-related genes were negative. At 41 months, an echocardiogram demonstrated a mildly dilated left ventricle with mild to moderate systolic impairment with a left ventricular rejection fraction of 46%. There were two further episodes of non-sustained ventricular tachycardia and a further sustained fast ventricular tachycardia requiring anti-tachycardia pacing. He was switched to Sotolol at this point for the class 3 antiarrhythmic properties and established on an ACE inhibitor. At this point, genetic testing was extended to include filament C, returning a positive result for a likely pathogenic filament C frameshift mutation variant, confirming the diagnosis of arrhythmogenic left ventricular cardiomyopathy. Predictive testing identified the same variant in three children, all of whom had variable clinical expression of the disease. Discussion The 2019 Heart Rhythm Society expert consensus statement proposed a broadened definition of arrhythmogenic cardiomyopathy as a heart muscle disorder not explained by ischemic, hypertensive or valvular heart disease. This includes conditions such as arrhythmogenic right and left ventricular cardiomyopathy, cardiac amyloidosis, sarcoidosis, Chagas disease and left ventricular non-compaction. This phenotype can overlap with other cardiomyopathies in particular dilated cardiomyopathy. The more recent 2020 Padua criteria, however, define arrhythmogenic cardiomyopathy as a genetic heart muscle condition characterised by fibrofatty replacement 
independent of the degree of systolic dysfunction. This can affect the right ventricle, which was the originally reported and most common variant, or be biventricular with a balanced dominant right or dominant left pattern, or solely affect the left ventricle. There is particular emphasis that this term is disease-specific and reflects the tendency of arrhythmogenic cardiomyopathy to develop ventricular arrhythmias, which is the clinical expression of the underlying fibrofatty myocardial replacement. The 2010 Task Force Criteria for a Diagnosis of Arrhythmogenic Cardiomyopathy focused on the right ventricular phenotype without diagnostic criteria for the left-sided variants. The updated 2020 Padua Criteria introduce specific criteria for the left ventricular phenotype. Similar to the 2010 Task Force criteria, the Padua criteria outline a framework of functional and structural ventricular abnormalities, tissue characterization findings, electrocardiographic changes, alongside familial and genetic evaluation outlined across six categories. They underscore the role of cardiac magnetic resonance imaging for tissue characterization to help detect fibrofatty myocardial replacement, whereas previously this required histopathological study by endomyocardial biopsy. They go on to outline that whilst biventricular arrhythmogenic cardiomyopathy can be reasonably diagnosed based on phenotypic features, the diagnosis of arrhythmogenic left ventricular cardiomyopathy, where there is an absence of right ventricular abnormalities, cannot be achieved solely on the basis of the left ventricular phenotype criteria. This is because there is significant overlap with other heart muscle diseases, including dilated cardiomyopathy, myocarditis, or sarcoidosis. Therefore, for a diagnosis of arrhythmogenic left ventricular cardiomyopathy, this requires the left ventricular phenotype in addition to pathogenic or likely pathogenic gene mutations. In brief, the new diagnostic criteria for the left ventricle are frequent ventricular exosystoles more than 500 per 24 hours, non-sustained or sustained ventricular tachycardia with a right bundle branch block morphology, low QRS voltages in the limb leads, T-wave inversion in the left precordial lead in the absence of complete left bundle branch block, global systolic dysfunction with or without left ventricular dilatation, or regional wall motion abnormalities of the free wall or septum or both. One of the major criteria is that of late gadolinium enhancement identified on cardiac MRI of more than one bullseye segment in two orthogonal views of the free wall, septum or both. This would be of a sub-epicardial or mid-myocardial pattern, though sub-epicardial involvement is more prevalent. The sub-endocardial layer, which mostly accounts for regional systolic function, is usually conserved, which might explain why a sizable proportion of patients can have preserved or low normal systolic function without regional wall motion abnormalities. Most of the pathogenic mutations of arrhythmogenic cardiomyopathy affect genes encoding structural proteins involved in the organisation of intercellular junctions, including genes encoding cardiac desmosomal proteins such as placophilin, desmoplakin, desmoglein and desmocolin. Arrhythmogenic cardiomyopathy-causing mutations have also been found in non-desmosomal genes such as phospholambin, filament C, desmin, titin and lamin AC, which are associated with other cardiomyopathies such as dilated cardiomyopathy and neuromuscular cardiomyopathies, leading to an overlapping phenotype. Genotype-phenotype correlation studies have identified mutations in desmoplakin, phospholambin and filament C genes as the most common gene defects causing left-sided arrhythmogenic cardiomyopathy. Initially, mutations of filament C were associated with a specific form of skeletal myofibrillar myopathy. Since then, truncating mutations of filament C have been shown to lead to a cardiomyopathy 
without skeletal muscle involvement, with a dominant pattern of inheritance and high penetrance amongst genotype-positive individuals. With respect to the management of arrhythmogenic left ventricular cardiomyopathy, this continues to evolve, though the principles include the utilisation of beta-blocker therapy, restriction from sports to reduce adrenergic drive, and consideration of ventricular tachycardia ablation with an epicardial approach. Implantation of a defibrillator has proven to reduce the risk of sudden cardiac death. In this case, whilst a diagnosis of arrhythmogenic left ventricular cardiomyopathy was suspected, it could not be confirmed until an extended genetic panel identified the pathogenic mutation necessary for diagnostic confirmation. Learning points. Arrhythmogenic left ventricular cardiomyopathy is a distinct form of arrhythmogenic cardiomyopathy characterised by left ventricular structural, electrical and genetic abnormalities. This includes systolic dysfunction and arrhythmia, non-ischemic left ventricular late gadolinium enhancement, left precordial T-wave inversion, low limb lead QRS voltages and pathogenic variants in the arrhythmogenic cardiomyopathy related genes. Phenotype guided genetic testing can enhance diagnostic certainty, facilitate predictive testing of family members and occasionally inform risk stratification such as lowering the threshold for primary prevention defibrillator implantation in patients with filament C. Catheter ablation is a reasonable approach in such patients with ventricular arrhythmia who have not responded to optimal antiarrhythmic drug therapy. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this fascinating case. Please visit academic.oup.com forward slash EHJCR to read the article in full with references and review other case reports. The music is Computer by State Shirts.